Jets fans, free agency has finally opened and Winnipeg was semi-active. Some have described their uh, activity on July 1st as being productive, uh, active, surprisingly so. But let's be honest, most of their moves, not exactly earth shattering. The rest of the league was quite busy, though, and we'll dive into some of the wildest action in the free agency market yesterday on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Jets fans, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge, but more than anything, more than all of the likes and follows and stuff, we just really appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On right now to get started. Now, like I said, obviously, free agency opened yesterday, and quite a lot happened. Um, For Winnipeg, I would say it was relatively unexciting. Uh, The Jets have made a couple of moves, um, and look, none of them are going to be, like, crazy, but we'll start off with the biggest one that wasn't a signing at all. Uh, Blake Wheeler, of course, as you know well by now, was bought out. Uh, We talked about it before he actually um, had the announcement come out. We knew that it was probably coming. We knew that Wheeler just wasn't going to be worth trading because uh, with his contract being the way that it is, Winnipeg probably would have had to have eaten something like 50% of the cap hit. And when you actually look at his buyout, uh, you know, the first, you know, like these next two seasons, he's got like 2.75 mil um, on Winnipeg's books, which for two years is not terrible compared to doing something like 50% where you're looking at more like 4 million in cap hits. So overall, I think the Jets made the right choice. Um, I know people will say, well, why didn't he just stick around? Why didn't they just uh, keep him here? But I think the reality is the Jets wanted to move forward. He wanted to move forward. And he's actually signed with the New York Rangers for like 900K. Um, So very interesting. Um, I would say for his personal career, I thought he would go to like Florida or something. Uh, The Rangers are kind of an odd team in that I feel like they've gotten older and slower uh, with a lot of the free agency moves that they've made. I, I think Wheeler, for me, wasn't really the kind of fit that I was expecting. I thought he was going to go see Paul Maurice down in uh, Florida or maybe even go up to Boston. Now, the, the Bruins would have been really funny because obviously that relationship and bridge was severed some time ago, but maybe time and maturity have changed Blake's perspective on things. But either way, he's going to the Rangers. This will be his chance to compete for like a real playoff spot, but I just don't know about the Rangers. New York is not always... Um, how should we describe it? Great in the postseason. They have had a couple of decent playoff runs, but none particularly recently. So maybe he can help fix their bottom six issues. I don't know. Overall, I feel like the Rangers just sort of sit in a bit of a, a meat grinder of a division. And unless their young stars really start to um, show the, the growth and, and development that New York is 
unfortunately infamous for kind of burying you know the rangers yeah, i don't know about replacing some of this uh skill with guys like wheeler but hopefully blake really takes off it'd be nice to see his career kind of hit a bit of a resurrection period it, it you know just for a lot of personal reasons even with all of his issues i'm still partial to him now as far as what the jets did themselves uh we do have nemesnikov coming back for two years at two million two million per season which i think is perfectly fine nemesnikov is likely to slide up and down the lineup down the middle and as like a secondary center, I really don't hate it. I thought Vlad was just flat out pretty decent. You know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire in terms of scoring. But, you know, for a guy who can either play um, a middle six center role or perhaps be flexed out to the wing. Again, I just don't really hate it. It's a fine contract. And certainly for a guy who I thought did well in his role, you just don't really uh, have any complaints about it. Now, in net, the Jets have brought back Laurent Bersois for a year at $1.75 million. Um, on principle, I don't know if I like this, just because he did some serious trash talking when he was with the Knights. But uh, all the same, I, I guess Bersois is kind of the Hellebuck backup should Helly get traded. I know that that is still kind of a, a thing that's sitting out there. We don't really know what the status is of all of this quite yet. But what we do know is that, by and large, Bersois probably won't be uh, putting up really big numbers for the Jets. I think we saw uh, maybe the best of Bersois when he was last here. Since moving to the Knights, I think he had like a sub-9-10 uh, save percentage. So, yeah, I, I don't know what we're going to see with him. Maybe it's going to be higher this time. I don't recall what his exact numbers for the Jets were before he left, but I thought they were pretty decent. Other than that, Winnipeg mostly just made a couple of really small depth moves. They've signed Jeffrey Veal, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, and Colin Delia. I'd expect both of those guys to be AHL players. Delia might be the backup if Helly does get traded and Bressois becomes the default starter, but otherwise I can't really see him getting a lot of NHL time. I would just suspect that he is uh, Moose goalie insurance, right? You know, I, I think that for me makes the most sense. Um, and so the Jets, generally speaking, it's it's a quiet free agency period, right? Winnipeg doesn't really spend a lot on free agents traditionally, but every once in a while they might make a splash. Not this time, though. I don't get the sense that Winnipeg is super active for any big-name players, unless they surprise me. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with Shifley and Hellebuck, which I want to talk about in just a little bit because... Their situations may have changed somewhat, at least with the timeline of when they might be moving or if they're moving at all. We'll dive into all of that in just a moment. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. And who doesn't love a little bit of instant gratification? There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 
Hello, friends, and welcome back to these uh, thoughts on Winnipeg, uh, Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you for rejoining us as we are diving into Winnipeg's free agency start, which has been relatively quiet. Not a lot going on other than the Mesnikov, Versois, and a few depth signings rejoining or uh, slash joining for the first time Winnipeg's roster. So, yeah, not super exciting. But I suppose one of the biggest news pieces to kind of hit over the weekend that didn't involve Blake Wheeler's buyout is that Shifley and Hellebuck might not really be on the move. As the goalie market has continued to shift and change over the last 72 hours, um, for one thing, I think Hellebuck has maybe perhaps come to realize that what he was asking for in free agency, which is like nine plus million, might not be that achievable. Elias Rokin just signed an eight uh, by eight point or 8.75 million deal with the Islanders. And if that's what Sorokin's getting, there's a good chance that Helly is now looking at a market cap for his uh, next contract ask that is pretty considerably lower than what he was hoping for. And honestly, I think at this stage, if I were him, if I can at least get, I don't know, eight, seven and a half to eight million locked up long term. I really feel like that's a pretty good contract. I, you know, it's, I'm not in his shoes. I can't make that decision for him, but he is 30. He's not young anymore. And if Sorokin is kind of setting the goalie cap, um, like market cap for this um, most recent, like free agent class, I suppose, you know, as an unrestricted free agent, Hellebuck obviously has uh, a slightly different status. So yeah, I mean, he, he does have some advantages over Sorokin, but I feel like, more than likely teams are going to look at what he's asking for, like the Devils have, and kind of assess that that cap space could be better spent helping the team up front, which I think New Jersey really has kind of settled uh, settled upon. The Toffoli trade, I think, is a really good sign of what the Devils are feeling in terms of their prioritization. And honestly, I can't really say that they're wrong. Now, all that said, I still want to give Hellebuck a blank check, but that's partly just the fan in me talking. Now, whether the Jets should keep Helly, I think, is a really dicey proposition. If you want to be competitive, yes, I guess. But he also indicated he has no intention of resigning. So if you keep Hellebuck, you have to dump him before the trade deadline. And I just can't really imagine that many teams getting super excited for half a season of Helly as a rental versus maybe doing it this summer and at least giving a team a full season. I, I don't really understand why the Jets are thinking about circling back to him just because um, the Dubois trade, look, the Dubois trade was great. Objectively speaking, it was great, but I don't think it did enough to really sway my mind in how I feel about how the Jets have approached this team and how they've built the roster over the past few years. Don't get me wrong. Velarde, Ayafalo, Kupari, uh, and that second rounder, that's a great haul. But the stuff that we said before with this team uh, last week, last offseason where they didn't make enough moves to really fortify the scoring depth is still kind of a problem now. Ayafalo and Kupari can obviously help in the bottom six uh, or perhaps in the middle six, depending on where they're used. But like, I don't think that necessarily solves my single biggest problem with this team that kind of sits with the finishing, right? The the finishing talent on this team is severely lacking, and I don't really feel like Ayafalo and Kupari can make up the extra difference, uh, extra difference in like third and fourth line roles. They're great players. I think that they'll be very useful for the Jets. But like I said, Winnipeg really needs help um, more, more up up top. I would say. 
I feel like the top six really needs some kind of a backbone, which is weird to say. And that might be why the team is also really hesitant to trade uh, Mark Shifley. And they've also apparently been thinking of thinking about revisiting discussions with him, especially about a long-term contract. Here's my thought process with all of this, right? The Dubois trade, I really can't understand how that would convince either Shifley or Helly that this team is on a better path. While it is a big haul, uh, generally speaking, it doesn't really fix Winnipeg's biggest issues. The Jets are losing a couple of players anyway, so like Kupari is probably going to replace Stenland. Uh, who else? I mean, we have some like minor league departures like L- Limoges is going out, and he didn't really factor in at all with the Jets' um, big club planning. But I guess I follow you can say is like a new addition to the team. Maybe he pushes somebody else further down the lines. But again, Ayafalo is not really an elite finisher, right? We need you know high-end goal-scoring talent up top to really compensate for some of the issues this team is likely to have this season. But still, you know, Shifley, if you lose him, obviously that becomes an even bigger problem. The finishing talent on this team kind of plummets. But by the same token, he's like 30. He has shown that he does have commitment issues with this team. His performance on the ice really took a hit at, at various points when he kind of quit. And he didn't fully quit, but he certainly quit enough to where it was noticeable versus his first half of the season to the second half. And with Helly, I mean, Helly didn't really have any of those problems. But again, you know, if you're really trying to start retooling for the future um, and building around the younger core, I just don't know about keeping Shifley and Helly. I, I, I have questions about that, especially because the Jets likely need to uh, get at least one really highly touted prospect from like a top five draft pick. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you're bad. And Winnipeg probably isn't going to allow that to happen. So all I can say is I have a lot of mixed feelings about Shifley and Hellebuck staying even to the trade deadline. I think Winnipeg would probably be doing itself a bit of a disservice not to get it done sooner rather than later, but I'm not in the front office. I can only tell you that I feel like that's going to end badly, but hey, maybe they get backed into a corner and do what they always do, which is like some sort of a a Houdini escape act with a really big trade haul. But my guess, probably not. I feel like they've probably already seen the market offers and they just don't really like them. And that's partly why they're getting cold feet trading them. They're maybe asking too much. I don't know. I I feel like if they're asking for more than what rentals usually get, yeah, they're going to be disappointed. Let's be real. So a lot to process there. We'll see how the Jets approach the next couple of weeks. Maybe a trade materializes sooner than I'm expecting, but my guess is it might get tabled until the trade deadline this coming season. So something to keep an eye on. Now, while all of this is happening and certainly kind of concerning for Jets fans, the rest of the NHL apparently lost its mind. Every every time we have a free agency period, the league just starts doing just, I I don't even know. I always think back to the, to the tweet from... Um, Micah Blake McCurdy talking about (laughs) how he could get paid a million dollars a year to say no like three times a season and he'd be worth the money. And I feel like today's free agency trackers uh, or transactions are are really good evidence of that. We'll talk about some of the most head scratching deals that came up in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for rejoining us for these final thoughts on tonight's episodes of Locked On Jets. We're talking about some uh, rather interesting free agency moves that teams have made as the period just opened. 
July 1st. We already knew a couple of deals that were in process before um, uh, the date even rolled out. And one of the big ones that kind of caught people off guard the night before on Friday was Ryan Reeves on like a multi-year deal to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think Reeves is making something like 1.35 mil a season, which I just don't really understand. You want to add size and grit? Sure, you can do that if you want, but Reeves doesn't really bring anything else. And for three years, for a 35-plus-year-old player who is basically just there to punch some faces and grind, I just don't really understand. For Reeves, hey, that's amazing. Like, congrats to him. That guy has managed to find a career niche, and he somehow keeps getting contracts. It's actually really impressive. Um, so props to him. I'm glad that he's getting paid. But in terms of what the Leafs are doing, I can't say I fully understand. Uh, Toronto under Treleving is is not looking so good, if we're being honest. Another head-scratching deal, Jonas Corposalo to the Ottawa Senators for five years at $4 million per season. That just seems like a really bad contract. Uh, it's not as bad as the Cam Talbot deal, but I feel like it's get, or not the Cam Talbot deal. I'm sorry, Jack Campbell. Um, but I mean, I just four million a season for a guy who really hasn't shown much more than being um, a bit of a backup for the the Blue Jackets. I just I don't really feel comfortable with that price tag. And Ottawa could have gone for like Hellebuck or something. And obviously Hellebuck is a lot more expensive if you try to lock him up long term. But you're also paying for real quality. With Corpusalo, you're paying like five years of uh, four mil per season for what will probably be average at best. And that just seems really expensive. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty pricey to me. So not a big fan of that deal. Uh, don't fully understand it, but hey, whatever, I guess. Another odd deal that kind of popped up um, kind of out of nowhere after, you know, all of the, the stuff that the Nashville Predators have been doing, uh, they... <laughs> They, they signed to Ryan O'Reilly for four years at $18 million, uh, which I just don't really get, right? Trotz was buying out contracts and clearing off roster spots, and I thought that they were going for a full rebuild. Signing Ryan O'Reilly just feels like it's kind of going in the opposite direction. Uh, O'Reilly is certainly a very talented player, and maybe the thought is um, in a season or two that he gets moved, but... I just don't really understand why you'd sign a quality center like him to your team unless you just need, you know, some some cap, uh, I guess, cap compliance with a quality player that could be traded down the road. I don't know if that's their vision for him. I don't really know what Barry Trotz is up to. Trotz has been kind of doing some strange stuff because then he also signed Luke Shen to a three-year, $8.25 million contract. So, you know, a little over three mil a season, like um, like what, like 3.75-ish or something like that. That's really rich for Luke Shen. Uh, or, sorry, not 3.75. Um, I can definitely do math. Uh, it just seems really expensive, right? Almost three mil a season for him. I, I, I don't really get it. Um, this is a player who is comfortably like a second pairing, maybe third pairing defender, and not much more than that. But Hey, you do you, uh, Barry Trotz. As long as the Preds don't get much better, I'm kind of okay with that. Now, the last deal that I think is probably worth talking about uh, that is certainly one of the stranger ones is the Clint Costin thing. And not because it was particularly expensive, but because of what exactly transpired for it to happen. Um, Steve Eiserman made a number of really weird signings today. I, yeah, obviously, we had the Justin Hall one. I think it was Justin Hall. 
uh, one of the former Leafs defenders who wasn't that great got signed for like three years by, I don't know, seven million or something. Really expensive contract, but the costed one was just weird because, you know, they, they had a whole trade with um, the Edmonton Oilers where Yamamoto and Costin got sent to Detroit. And then Detroit bought out Yamamoto and then signed Costin for two years uh, at like two mil per season. So I don't understand why you would give um, Edmonton cap relief and then buy out that cap uh, hit that you were taking on for a player who's honestly probably not that bad for three mil a season, right? Uh, Yamamoto, look, Yamamoto is never going to be quite the elite uh, playmaking center or wing that the Oilers drafted, but I thought he could have been a useful player for the Red Rings. So very odd. I don't fully understand it, but I guess Iserman has the Iser plan, which if his plan is what he's doing right now, doesn't seem all that great. But hey, if the Winnipeg Jets are going to avoid doing anything like that, I suppose I can live with a quieter free agency period. But all I know is that the free agency run has already kicked off with quite a few very strange moves, and I'm sure we'll keep track of those as they continue to roll out over the next few weeks. We'll be back here tomorrow with more thoughts on free agency as more deals are signed and hopefully Twitter is back up and running so we can actually see what the deals are. It's been a nightmare trying to figure out what transactions are happening and when they're happening. So stay tuned for more free agency action and hopefully we have something fun for the Jets to report as well. But for tonight's show, that is all the time that we have. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We will see you back here on Monday tomorrow. So thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.